Welcome to today's reading for January the 13th, Genesis 28 to 2935, our 365 study. Let's get right to it. Lord, bless us with your presence and your friendship and your genuine counsel, Lord. Counsel us as we go forward. We ask this in the name of your mighty name. Thank you for being our friend and loving us and being right here with us. In your name we pray, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Genesis 28. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Badan Aram, to the house of your grandfather Bethu, and marry one of your uncle's Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children. And may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now, living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram to stay with his uncle Laban, Laban, his mother's brother, the son of Batu, the Armenian. Esau knew that his father Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Padam Aram to find a wife, and that he had warned Jacob you must not marry a Canaanite woman. He also knew that Jacob had obeyed his parents and gone to Padam Aram. It was now very clear to Esau that his father did not like the local Canaanite women, so Esau visited his uncle Ishmael's family and married one of Ishmael's daughters. In addition to the wives he already had, his new wife name was Mahalat. She was the sister of Nebioth and the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and... I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place is this. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. When Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, 
and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar that I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all the flocks to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterwards, the stone will be placed back over the mouth of the well. Jacob went over there to the shepherds and asked, Where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. Do you know a man named Laban, the grandson of Nahor, he said? Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he's well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock now. Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and go so they can get back to pasture? We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and the, we water all the sheep and goats. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and moved the stone from his mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept out loud. He explained to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her aunt Rebekah. So Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban, Laban. As soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told his story, Laban exclaimed, You really are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, You shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Sipla, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged to Laban. 
I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. But wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week later, Jacob had married Leah. Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant Bilhah to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. He then stayed and worked for Laban the additional seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord has heard that I was involved, that I was unloved, and he has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. Amen. People often under wonder excuse me, if working a long time for something they desire is worth it. Jacob worked years to marry Rachel. After being tricked, he agreed to work seven more years. Some goals and desires are worth working for and waiting what goals should you invest a long time in effort? Movies and television abbreviate hard work and perseverance into an hour or two. They have created the illusion that solving problems or getting what we want requires minimum time and effort. The same is not true in, in real life. Patience and perseverance are hardest when we need them the most but they are keys to elements of achieving our goals. That's really interesting. Um, boy, that Rachel must have been a, a beautiful... I mean, if the Bible says she had a lovely figure and, and a, and a good-looking face, can you imagine what Rachel looked like? Um, boggles the imagination that the Bible would describe that to her. And, and the name itself, it's beautiful name, Rachel, you know. Like, don't mess with Rachel. 28. Let me see if we have any... Um, we have a little bit of camel commentary on the uh, Recovery Bible. Let's see what it says there. It says, Jacob's vow to God here is possibly just another of his schemes. Something like a foxhole prayer. But even though Jacob was probably trying to con God, give him... An offer he couldn't refuse. God honor and bless Jacob. God's dealings with Jacob will give us some idea of how gracious God really is. Jacob wasn't ex exemplary or, or wise. He didn't know the God of his fathers as he should have. Yet God was still willing to work with him and bless him. Jacob's response again to Laban's trickery reveals an interesting principle. Nobody resents being cheated more than a cheater. 
If there's a characteristic of others that we'll find particularly annoying, we would be wise to examine ourselves. It's probably one of our own. Uh, really interesting that the, uh, you know, that Jacob, when God said, I will give you this land, he told them directly to him, I am, I am the father of your grandpa. I am the God of your grandpa, Abraham. And it was so solid and so smooth said. And it said that Jacob saw him in top of the stairwell at the top. It's an amazing thing. Um, I remember I was, I was praying at one time for my younger son intensely like I have. And I saw a stairway. And I saw two angels coming down the stairway. And they had like helmets and swords strapped on the thing and they were coming down talking to each other like they're coming like construction workers are coming back from a long weekend and they're telling each other oh that you see the angels b play with angel c you know in the grand game something in that nature they were talking to each other they had their helmets on their on their left hand and both of them were walking down and god told me those are the protective angels of my son you know, just battle, military, um, Roman-looking angels coming down with, with heavy-duty equipment. So God answered my prayer for my son in that form. That he, you know, there are big evil out there, folks. And it's one of the reasons we want to uh, do these words, do the readings, uh, acknowledge the Lord God in every chance we get. When we feel down and out, start yelling scripture into the air, put some praise and worship music. We fight to knock off discouragement. We, we sing and praise God. And we tell God, we're lonely. Lord, we need you. And say some scripture into the air. The Lord is good to his word. We activate his word and his help. The Lord will always come and help us. Amen. All right, let's move right on to uh, our New Testament in Matthew. Let's go ahead and say another prayer. God, Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for listening to our prayers. Thank you for straightening us up. And thank you, Lord God, for making us skillful warriors, skillful discipline, discipleships, Lord that we may know thee in the power of thy strength for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of the synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said. But you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hands on her, please. So Jesus and the disciples got up and went with him. Just then, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your fate has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told him. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. 
but the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and he stood her up. The report of this miracle swept throughout the entire countryside. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were open, and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, Don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, He can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send you more workers into his field. Amen. Let's let's pray the Javis prayer. God. Bless us indeed and enlarge our territory. Let your hand be upon us, Lord, that you will keep us from evil, that it may not harm us, and God perform what we requested. Amen and amen. All right, let's go ahead and think about uh, the, uh, the readings we just read right now. It's interesting, uh, the desire that millions of us and billions of us have for the presence and the and and the Lord's love and his approval. You know, amen. These the blind people unwavering knew in their hearts that the Messiah was Jesus and they had a chance of a lifetime to get their eyes straight. Uh, the, the lady with the issue, I could just touch his robe and be healed. And we can do that today. We can touch heaven and get, you know, with our prayer, say, Father, this hurts me. Father, I'm going through this. You know, these blind men were persistent. They ignored social custom and went right into the house where Jesus was staying. They knew Jesus could heal them and they would let nothing stop them from finding him. That's real faith in action. If you believe Jesus is the answer to your every need, Don't let anything or anyone prevent you from reaching out to him. Amen. You know, uh, getting ready and acting as if the Lord is going to answer your prayer is essential for faith. You know, um, just going through the motions, getting everything ready, being prepared, do all that you can to do, and then get out that God will fill in the gaps and bring the people that need to help you at the right time. 
Case in point, the last two weeks we do a barbecue for our for our AA function on the outside. We usually have 40 to 50 people since the weather is cold and it's real cold and windy and rain the day before, rain afterwards. So we're, have, we're having about 20, 25, 30 people show up. But our regular cook, professional cook, has been missing. Last Friday, I brought all the stuff, set up the barbecue, bought the meat. And uh, a guy came early and he said, he never comes early, he always comes late and eats, puts a dollar in the basket. But he came early and he helped me flip burgers. We got through there. We burned a lot of them, <laughs> but that was okay. We got the people fed. And then again, this past week, I went ahead and prepared everything, bought the meat, bought the, the buns, and prepared the all the vegetables and stuff. For, and I went over there, and sure enough, a different person comes up, and he, you know, and he said, he shows up, is there anything I can do to help? And I said, Are you, can you cook? He goes, I'm a real good uh, cook. So, and he was, we put him on the scale and he had, he was better than the original one because of no leftover food. He just cooked it precise. It just did it so smoothly, kind of like prayered up. It was, it was night and day when uh, the skill and the easement that the person did. So I believe God sent him to help us in my faith, preparation to get the thing done, to get God's work done. So prepare, guys. Just act like you have the thing that you need and go forward in what God has told us to do, you know, and what area he told us to get things done. Amen. Isn't that good? Now, let me see if in Matthew 9, you know, the religious leaders of that time thought it blasphemy that Jesus claimed to forgive sins, but they considered it just as impossible for him to heal the paralyzed man. By doing the impossible, healing the man, Jesus was challenging his critics to realize that he also had the power to forgive sins. Implicit in his actions was his claim to, of deity because only God can forgive his sins. Knowing this truth should give us the courage to turn to Jesus for help. As God's own son, Jesus has the power to offer forgiveness and recovery to all who trust in him. Amen. Now, I read that yesterday. The You know, that's past reading. So let me read you uh, what 9... Chapter 9, starting with verse 18. More miracles prove that Jesus is the Messiah and the source of recovery for all kinds of hurting people. Jesus restored like a dead girl. Jesus restored life to a dead girl and stopped a woman's chronic hemorrhaging. Then he held two blind men and demon-possessed men. He healed them. They weren't able to end some that they weren't able to speak and a demon possessed man Jesus showed his power to help people who were living or even dying under the power of personal demons no matter what the issue recognize our need and turn to God in faith are the first steps to recovery amen and you can do your own blessing if you've got Christ in you 
I recommend that you start praising and thanking Jesus for the truth, the truth that he is the truth. And that's why you, you want to put aside your problems and your healing and say, Jesus, I thank you that you are the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And just keep praising him. And I thank you, Jesus, for that you died on the cross. Just saying all these attributes about Jesus, it should push the demons out of you, away from you. And the other thing that could be wrong in our lives is our judgment. We're so judgment and critical and everything time God does something, we put a condition on it. That's one of the reasons you want to bypass everything and start praising and giving glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And to make sure you ain't got no uh, evil contaminants uh, influence your what you think is right and wrong. You know, God says he, he requires mercy to walk humbly with thy God. Walking humbly with thy God is listening, is paying attention to what he might say. Walking humbly is saying, maybe I'm wrong. You know, walking humbly is, I need more information to, to determine the facts. And the facts is that God requires for us to have obedience. Obedience. If he says to praise him and worship him and thank him, so you can rout the enemy that's trying to eat your lunch. You know, a lot of Christians are, are, are I see them, you know, they're losing things, they're losing ground. And yet, you try to talk to them, they, they have a, a very uh, competitive, argumentative, and they can't see the past. And they want to they wanna take you down and, you know, bring up issues, you know, and blaming and things and, and generalizing everything. All people, you know, all people, everything, you know, society, everything in general terms. And I said, no, you need to stop and obey. And I tell my friends, I said, everything you say coming out of your mouth is invalid right now. You're in the process of just... Thanking God for your life just the way it is and obey. Just keep thanking God, acknowledging Jesus as the, the way, the truth, and the life. And do it till you clean your hard drive, till you ground all the junk out of your TikTok mind that you infested it with, with media and get it out of your spirit. Amen. That's my views, folks, and it's hard for me to change. I see that in people's lives, and uh, I, my heart goes out to them that, uh, you know, hospitals, it, jails, and institutions are what's next. You know, people try to save themselves from killing themselves by drinking, you know. And all they have to do is make a determination to praise God and get a high on God's word by drinking his word, by praising and praising and worshiping God. Yep, it's the truest way to get change in your life. Amen. I'm Fernando, and I, I approve of this message. <laughs> Let's move on. Psalms 11 says... With confidence in the Lord's permanent control, we pray. We rest in God's steady character amid the commotion of sin and its consequences. Wow, what a statement there, huh? We pray with Psalms 11. With confidence in the Lord's permanent control, we are, we are 
happy that all the controls are in God's hands and we're headed in the right direction. Even though there's a lot of turmoil in this boat, our captain knows where he's going. We love our captain and we're, we are safe. We rest in God's steady character amid the commotion of sin around us and its consequences. And even if the sin is inside of us and, it's in the, and we're causing the consequences, you need to, to rest and confine in the Lord's permanent control by praising Him and thanking Him that you surrender to His leading. Amen. Psalm 111. I trust in the Lord for protection, so why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? The wicked are stringing their bow and fitting their arrows on the bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those whose hearts are right. The foundation of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. For the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtues, the virtuous will see his face. Amen. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go in peace. Reading the 365 Bible study, January the 14th, Genesis 30, 31, 16. Holy Spirit, come to our aid, Holy Spirit, for you are our counselor, our teacher, our instructor. Teach us in the way that we should go, that we may praise the Lord Jesus, praise Abba, Father, and thank him for our existence and for our life today, and the work of our hands, Lord what you cut us out to do. We thank you for the truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we rejoice on these things. In your name we pray. Amen. When Rachel saw she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He asked. He's the, he's the one who has kept you from having children. Then Rachel told him, Take my babe here, Bilhah, and sleep with her. Huh. She will bear children for me, and through her I can have a family, too. So Rachel gave her servant Bilhah to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Bilhah became pregnant and presented him with a son. Rachel named his Dan, for she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my request and given me a son. Then Billah became pregnant again and gave Jacob a second son. 
Rachel named him Naphtali, for she said, I have struggled hard with my sister, and I'm winning. Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore, so she took her servant's Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Soon Zilpah presenting him with a son. Leah named him Gad, for she said, How fortunate I am. Then Zilpah gave Jacob a second son, and Leah named him Asher, for she said, What joy is mine now the other women will celebrate with me. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in the field. You know, uh, the reason I, I stumbled over that, the wife was cooking and she thought about this passage of mandrakes over the sink. And she said, oh, mandrakes. And then she gets, she, this is a true story. Her, one of her best friends comes over and she says, I have some mandrakes here for you. And just totally blew her away. True story. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in a field and brought them to his mother. Leah, Rachel, begged Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Now you will steal my son's mandrakes too? Rachel answered, I will let Jacob sleep with you tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. So that evening, as Jacob was coming home from the fields, Leah went out to meet with him. You must come and sleep with me tonight, she said. I have paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found. So that night he slept with Leah. And God answered Leah's prayer. She became pregnant again and gave birth to a fifth son for Jacob. She named him Ishakar, for she said, God has rewarded me for giving me my servants to my husband as a wife. Then Leah became pregnant again and gave a birth to a sixth son for Jacob. She named him Zebulun, for she said, God has given me a good reward. Now my husband will treat me with respect, for I have given him six sons. Later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God had removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph, for she said, May the Lord add yet another son to my family. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I work for you. Please listen to me, Laban replied. I have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Jacob replied, You know how hard I work for you, and how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything i done. But now, what about me? What can I, when can I start providing for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked. <clears throat> Jacob replied, Don't give me a thing, just do this one thing, and I'll continue to tend 
and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled and spotted along with the black sheep. Give me these as my wages. In the future, you check on the animals you have given me as my wages. You'll see that I have been honest. If you find in my flock any goats without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I have stolen them from you. All right, Levin replied. It will be as if you have said. But that very day, Levin went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches, and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons who took them on a three-day journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches on the watering throws where the flocks came to drink, for that was where they made it. And when they made it in front of the white streak branches, they gave birth to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock, and at mating time he turned the flock to face Laban's animals. That's where that were streaked or, or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering throws in front of them. Then they would mate in front of the branches, but he didn't do this with the weaker ones, so the weaker lambs belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with a large flock of sheep and goats, female male servants, and many camels and donkeys. But Jacob soon soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude towards him. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and grandfathers and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out of the out into the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I have noticed that your father's attitude towards me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said, The speckled animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said, the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob? And I replied, yes, here I am. The angel said, Look up and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. 
For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah responded, That's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. women, And after he sows us, he'll waste the money you paid him for us. All the wealth God has given you from our fathers legally belongs to us and our children. So we'll go. So ahead, so go ahead and do whatever God has told you, Leah and Rachel said. Amen. All right. Rachel and Leah were com- competing in an errand contest, racing to have more children. They both gave their servants to Jacob as concubines. This was an accepted custom of the day, but Jacob would have been wise to refuse. He was perpetuating bad relationship between the women. You know, this kind of, but then on regard, God's ultimate goal is to have 12 tribes and the names of each tribe was really important. There are many social uh, acceptable choices that have negative effect on others. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, see what the Recovery Bible has to say about this commentary. It says... uh, God always treats Jacob in ways far better than he deserves. God blesses him in spite of his trickery and deceit. God works that way with us too. He is willing to bless us with healing even when we don't really deserve it and we've been using our bodies, pushing our bodies. None of us excuse me, really deserve God's love. All of us have failed in many ways, but God still reaches out to help us when we look to him in faith. <clears throat> Moving can be a time of major crisis. It is interesting to note that during all the major changes points of Jacob's life, God always reestablishes contact with him. Here, as Jacob faced a crisis with Laban's family, God gave Jacob instructions concerning his next move. God revealed to Jacob the next step in his divine program as it was needed. God is always there to help us during our moments of crisis. During these times, we need to learn to stop and listen to what he has to say. Leah and Rachel left their father's home willingly. This is not surprising. We have enough evidence to know that Laban's family was highly dysfunctional. At this point, Jacob and his family needed to move on if they were to become the family God intended them to be. Sometimes our home of origin are sources of much pain and confusion. In such cases, it's important for us to leave those dysfunctional contexts in order to build a new life and more healthy atmosphere. Amen and amen. And with that, let's go ahead to Matthew. Today's Matthew reading is Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together 
and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter, then Andrew, Peter's brother, James, son of Zebedee, John, James' brother, Philip, Bartomolo, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Sela, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Amen. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah to usher in his kingdom. They imagined a political and military kingdom that would liberate them from the Roman rule and bring back the days of glory under David and Solomon. After all, God had promised David, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, 2 Samuel 7:16. But the kingdom Jesus was talking about. Amen. I lost my place. But the kingdom Jesus was talking about was a spiritual one. God has made many promises to us as well, but God may fulfill his promises in unexpected ways, okay? If we are flexible, we may fall to recognize God fulfilling his promises, fail because we're so set on seeing it happen on our way as we imagine. The kingdom of God is still near today. It's still over our head. Jesus, the Messiah, is establishing his kingdom on earth in his, in his followers. One day the kingdom will be fully realized and God will be king over all. Evil will flee. Peace will reign and God promises to David will be joyfully and finally completed all at once. So you want to do what you have left is to praise the Lord. Learn to praise the Lord and to give him glory and enter his kingdom of praise and worship. Imagine the Lord's face. Imagine his back in the bloody atmosphere. And imagine the hurts that Jesus got dying on the cross. And you will have the great exchange. Take your strength for his strength. Your dishonor for his honor and his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And then give him praise and thanksgiving for this situation. Let's keep reading. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give uh, as freely as you have received. Give us freely. Don't take any money on your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a trousers bag with a change of clothes and sandals, or even or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those because those who work deserve <clears throat> to be fed. Amen. Whenever you enter a city or village, Jesus says, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it isn't, take the blessing back. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, 
Shake his dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Be but aware, for your will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to heal the the rulers. You'll be able the opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me, saith the Lord. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. The spirit of your father speaking through you. Take a tea break. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Amen. And that most definitely is talking about his resurrection. That's the only thing that can have. Okay, pray the Psalms. Well, let's go have a commentary on this, a little more commentary on Matthew 10. <clears throat> let's see that what the Recovery Bible has to say. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Amen, Matthew 10. It says, those of us living for God and pursuing recovery may feel like sheep in the presence of wolves. But when wisdom and honesty define our behavior and relationships, we can face the inedible misunderstanding and persecutions. Jesus suffered much at the hand of godless men and those who are committed to him. And those who are committed to him often receive similar treatment. If we persevere in following God's will for us, we will receive a great reward in heaven. Praise God. Yep, we're looking forward to it in Jesus' name. You know, we have the love of God. We can go on forever with his love. All right, pray in the Psalms. Psalm 12, 1 through 8. In the confidence that the Lord's promises will sabotage the lies of the wicked. Amen. Hear that? We pray and praise Psalm 12 with confidence that the Lord's promises are working to sabotage the lies of the wicked. Amen. One more time. We praise and worship the Lord God that in His Word, Psalm 12, we do it in confidence that the Lord's promises will sabotage the lies of the wicked. Amen. We stay strong and praise and worship. And we don't coward before any words. We have the Lord, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Amen. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. 
The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors like lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off all their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say we will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop it? Amen. Who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will arise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promise are pure, like silver refined. Oh, I lost my... Like silver refined in a furnace. Actually, I'm falling asleep. Purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the, the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation. Even though the wicked shred about and evil is praised throughout the land. Amen. Sorry about that. Let me go back to verse 5. It says, The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless. And I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will arise up to rescue them as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refining in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this life generation. Even though the wicked strut about and and evil is praised throughout the land. Amen. Did you hear that? Even as if wickedness is praised throughout the land, and even though the wicked strut about with pride. It says, Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from their lying generation. Amen. Proverbs three, thirteen to fifteen. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare on her. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading. We bless you and we praise you. We glorify your name. Be it unto us, Lord, according to thy word. Be it unto us according to thy mercy, the merciful kindness, Lord. And bless us today as we're new to do your work and do your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a good day, family. Take care.